You're listening to Red Nation Online. Hey, Eastside Stand Up listener. As always, we appreciate you downloading the podcast and want to ask you a quick favor. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you checked out rednationonline.ca. Added us on Twitter at rednationonline. Give us the thumbs up on Facebook as well as iTunes. Any or all of those would be awesome. Thanks so much and enjoy another episode of Eastside Stand Up. Wednesday, September 11th. Steve Perry and I'm Ian Clark, and we're back from BMO Field in a 1-1 draw with the Chicago Fire. Thunderstorms held off, but clouds still hover over TFC as an uncertain future has kept expectations low. We run through the match, highlight the efforts of Alvaro Ray, but of course move off the pitch and further discuss everything that has gone on over the past week with firings, trades, and open letters. All in the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Thunder, lightning, all that stuff. Only after. Yeah, before bit, and after. A bit too uh, late. <laughs> yeah, too little, too late for Toronto FC to snatch anything out of uh, what ended up being a 1-1 draw with the Chicago Fire. Certainly sums up our games at the stadium. Lately. Lately, hasn't it? It hasn't been... Not uh, lately, the whole season. We, we've only seen one win, and that was the Canada Cup. It didn't even matter. Yeah, or against uh, Columbus. We uh, beat them 2-1. to one. Yeah. We've had two, two at home, one in the league. One in the cup. This is the second draw in a row at home? Yes. New England was the last one. Feels like a winning streak. <laughs> Anything that's not losing these days, I guess. But it's still... Uh, uneventful for an eventful week. Yeah. Yes. Very much so. And that's, uh, you know, a lot of metaphors, a lot of symbolism on a day like today. Should we go through what happened? Sure. Why not? Do you want Kevin to Payne gets let go. Yes. We just, Tom, and, Tom and Selny. Gone. Uh, leaves, finally. Yep, Kevin Page's big signing, Maximilian Rudy, traded on Monday. And then today, David Miller <laughs> gives away his season tickets. Actually, I thought that was the most eventful thing that happened. Yeah. I mean, most people would say Tom and Selney leaving was the most eventful thing, but I don't know. The guy who uh, lobbied to get a team here, pushed for a team, built the stadium, made it all that stuff happen, uh, writes an open letter to Toronto FC and returns his season tickets. Big deal, I think. Yeah. It says something to me. Yep. And maybe it's a model to follow. And Ryan Nelson had some uh, words for him, apparently, after Tough the Tough words, but I think, you know, he's like uh, setting himself up for a bigger fall. Yeah. Possibly. What did he say? Uh, so I think something to the effect of... Uh, Come January, you're going to want to pay it. You're going to want to... You're going to be sorry. And, you, you, and you should make, they should make you pay double. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And, uh, I mean... The season the gun, has been the gun heard, has been yeah thrown right yeah it has and it's we've been we've heard this all year I mean from the start of the season you know we were, we were saying come Ryan Nelson said it come this summer this team's going to be scary unfortunately yeah. the fireworks only seem to be off the pitch and not on the pitch 
Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> Steve, the book on your face is priceless right there. Fuck. These guys are so just full of talk, man. Yeah. Yeah. No one's buying. No. They're selling, but no one's buying. There's a lot of things we can run through. I think we should just like... Have you ever tried to give away a ticket? <laughs> I sat by myself tonight. <laughs> it's tough. It's not easy to give away a ticket these days. No. You know, especially if it's not going to be a sunny afternoon. Uh, no one really wants to go. 15,000 in the stadium tonight? Bold. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Bold lie. But we have uh, coming into this game. Let's run through this one quick. I don't think it'll, there'll be too much to uh, go through in terms of, uh, you know, the players that stood out. Although I will say that you came in a little bit late off the start of the game. Yeah, I missed the first 15. The first 15, it was all Chicago. All Chicago. And it was, for a moment there, I was like, wow, this is really, this is going to be a blowout if this team doesn't wake up. And they were definitely carrying themselves over from Portland on the weekend, where that's last 10 minutes, they just completely capitulated. And uh, the first 10 minutes, Chicago came out like a team that looked like they were going to, it was, it was just never, the ball never got out of our they hand. They were going to hold our feet to the fire? Yes. Yes, well done. <laughs> well done, Steve. Uh, and you know what? Coming into this game, you know, looking well, at... I watched the, some of it because I was down in the the uh, the concessionary stands. Oh, right. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't actually see much. The thing is, though, is that I did see... <clears throat> I was counting the chances that we... I think we had about seven chances throughout the game that looked pretty good. Yeah. And I think... In the end, Chicago had about two good chances, and they both came in the last ten minutes. Maybe no, maybe four. I should say. I should. Re- yeah, there was about because there were some long shots like outside of the eighteen that just went wide. But um, but two in the end with the substitute that they brought in. Yep, Maracuá. Uh, they should have brought him in sooner because he's slippery. Yeah, and well, we he used we, to play for us. <laughs> he yeah, was well, on our team last year. It figures. It gets yeah. better when he leaves. Yeah, isn't that the thing? Usually. So. Yeah, I mean, he got it. He was hard to contain. I think Caldwell was having difficulty. He wasn't. He wasn't containing him at all. But maybe you know, Caldwell was tired. I don't know. But you know, and we were soaking up a lot of pressure at the end. I mean, it was, we were def- definitely doing all the defending in the last uh, twenty minutes or so. Yeah. But we did have um, some decent chances. I just think that we have no quality finishers. No. I mean, that continues to be our problem. It's been our problem from day one. It continues to be a problem. This uh, We got to see a, this new uh, acquisition. Yeah. Um, what's his name? B- Ray? Were you thinking about Ray? Or, oh, you're thinking about, oh, number seven. Um, and and he was the one that was, that was the trade for your Rudy to right. Portland. So we brought BK in. Uh, I think they, might... they were hyping him uh, today on the radio, saying that he scored I don't know thirteen or fourteen goals or something. I think what his story was, he was at uh, he was at Portland. By the way, and then they lo- that game on Saturday, Portland. Yes, man, do they look good? Yeah, that's amazing to watch a good team. Yes, and, <laughs> and to see, uh, to see you know fans what that support. and that is uh, they went we need got, a lumberjack. Yeah, they went. <laughs> they have that's their coach's first season with that team, turning them around. It can be done. It can be done if you hire the right guy. A little experience, I guess it goes a long way. For sure. So I think his story was that uh, he got loaned out to the LA Blues and kind of got hot. I think he got six goals in 10 games or something like that. Went back to Portland last year towards the end, and Portland was having a terrible season. So I guess he got in and got some good minutes and was was scoring, but then he tore his ACL, I think it was. He had a couple of really bad injuries, and uh, now is just getting healthy, which is interesting because you know Danny Coverman's messed up his leg and we've never seen him again and i think partially i mean that's the difference between a guy uh tearing his acl mcl in his early or mid 20s i guess oh, dk's yeah. dk's 25 26 and of course coverman's is 
uh, 33, I think at this point, 34, and uh, a little bit easier to bounce back from that. And in in DK as well, I think that turnaround is is within eight months. I mean, he would have injured his leg later than Coverman's did, and is now fully fit and playing. Although I'm not sure that this is a true thing. What's that? This age and healing thing, because I I actually heard a report on um, a science show where they talk about how uh, there's a there's a medical show on the CBC called White Coat Black Arts and they were talking about how um, older people recover just as quickly as younger people they just don't uh, give them the credit for them and they don't give them the attention oh, well wow. okay so I want to just suggest that that might be a myth perhaps and maybe Danny's hiding <laughs> no honestly or, I don't think maybe well, I don't think he wants to come out I don't think he's got a spot on the field right well maybe he's hiding or maybe uh He's being hidden. Look, when he came, when he played those two games, he wasn't that. He didn't look that good. No. I mean, maybe he prefers to ride the pines as an injure. Sure. So he's just gonna soak up the salary and, you know, go back to Holland probably. That's interesting. You know, whenever they ever kind of added that together in terms of the players they were trying to sign this year and the DPS, and they're talking about the DPS in the off season, and obviously that doesn't count him because he is one. So obviously mm-hmm. he's as good as gone. If Laiwiki and Nelson are talking about two guys for the offseason, they already have one who's Matias Lava. I'm sure everyone put two and two together. Coverman's wasn't going to get re-signed at the end of this year, but that's all but confirms it yeah. for sure, that yeah. he's probably just riding out this year and packing his bags. David Miller mentioned something interesting in his, uh, I mean, his themes uh, in his open letter. Is there a place that people can read this open letter? It's all over the internet. It's not hard to find. I mean, if you go on Twitter, I'm sure if you typed in uh, his Twitter handle, I think it's I am David Miller. It's got to be up there. Okay. And I'm sure David Miller has his own website too. So the theme in his uh, open letter is that uh, the team needs to stabilize, yeah. right? Yeah. So he talked about three areas of stabilization, but one of them that we're talking about right now is sort of the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, trading away young players. Like I'm thinking we got rid of uh, Silva. We got rid of like some great young players. O'Day, like people will argue with about me with O'Day, but sure. I think that we got rid of, like he was the captain, right? We got rid of some great players at the prospect of signing a DP that never came through. Yeah. So we kind of like fucked ourselves, you know, kind of. Yeah. Like we just got rid of everybody. And he talked about that in his open letter, which is, you know, kind of plain as day, right? It's, yeah. it's open. It's obvious. Anyway, I just wanted to, like it got me wondering, because uh, we're close to the end of the season. I mean, we pretty much only have a couple games left. Yeah. What team will we see next year? Yeah, well, who's, you know who's gonna. Who do you think is gonna survive? Yeah, well, do you, I don't know if you remember the the first podcast, which is what did. you're which you, what you're answering right now. Yeah, Coverman's you're saying is that. Yeah, and if you remember the the first pod we did, I think of the year at your house with you, me, and Andre. It's I, the same pod every year. Yeah, it's the same theme, and you know we've never planned it that way. <laughs> it, honestly, <laughs> no. it's about who are these guys? We don't know who these guys are. Yeah, like it's a totally yeah. But when we when we were because we were discussing in terms of how I think the team, there was four or five guys that were the same. Yeah, and how the team was making up, and you know it was like you know this team is this probably is going to be a lost year, but you know it could it could follow a similar path to 2011, where you know a lot of growing pains in the early part of the year, the summer he started to see a bit of stability, and they bring in some key uh, influential players like we saw with Frings and Covermans. And then down the end, last few weeks or the last two months, we see it's a the team that's... Tic- ticket sales, right? Sure, but also you d- we did see a more competitive Which is what side. Ryan Nelson's doing with his, like, boasting about next year's team, right? More or less. He's being the salesman for the team. Yeah. So, 
But I mean, that's the window. That was the opportunity, and that's what didn't happen. I think part of why Kevin Payne got fired was because there is an opportunity there, of course. But yeah, in a bad year, to still to still get in some players in that summer window and turn your team around and at least get on the right track for 2014. Right now, we're not on the right track for 2014, and it's going to be interesting to see. We don't even have anyone who can do that work for us. Like, you think Ryan Nelson's going to be signing people? They, I mean, Lewicki's in charge, entrusted him with doing that, right? Yeah. But does he have the experience? No, I don't think so. The guy's only been a player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and there's, I mean, there's a few precedents out there of, of people who've who've been able to do on a, on little experience, but I think that's the exception. It's not the norm. You know, mm-hmm. Jason Christ is a guy I also like who gets held up as you know he trans went straight from as a player into a head coach, and then Real Salt Lake won the MLS Cup, I believe it was a year and a half later uh, after him doing that. But uh, you read about the the work that he did. I mean, he was doing it all. He was doing it all. I mean, he was interviewing. He was going to interview these players and doing one-on-ones with them, sitting across to gauge if this is the character that will fit into the team that I need. I just don't see Ryan Nelson doing that. I've never seen That's just not something that I get from Toronto FC, that they're a team or an organization that's ever done, gone that extra distance to do the due diligence on anything. I don't think he's a reasonable person. I think he's a hothead. You find that, eh? Well, I well just even by the judging by his reaction to this whole open letter thing, I think he gets reactionary and he's a bit like, you know, off the cuff and stuff. And I don't think he's reasonable. I don't think he sort of puts it aside as something else and gets down to thinking about it. Yeah, I don't think he's a thinking man. I think he's like a because even his the character about his play about it as him as a footballer seems to be more of a guy who gets in the thick of it and kind of starts shit up, right? But it's not. I don't get the sense that he's like. A thinking man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's fair because if you, obviously, I mean, one per, between, if you're talking about him and David Miller, one person's been sitting in that stance for seven years Seen it and has gone through it all. And Ryan Nelson's been here. And even had the dream long before Ryan Nelson was, you know, thinking about even being a coach. Yeah. You know, he was uh, there trying to get MLSC to get the team. And then he was able to find a stadium for them. That's a guy with vision. Yeah. We've kind of like touched on different things here and there. Do, I mean, do you want to run through this match at all, Steve? Because do, there, was, yeah. sure. there was some stuff. I wanted because I wanted to say, uh, going back to that Portland game and, and some players were missing, and that was because the likes of uh, Morgan, Henry, and Osoya were all away playing for Canada. And I wasn't sure what the status was going to be coming to this game. Would they be fatigued from flying in from Spain? I thought they all looked pretty good. Uh, there didn't look to be any ill effects from from getting a game. In I think Henry had a great game. He was uh, he was standing people up and filling in gaps. He didn't really, I didn't notice him until like the second half when we were under pressure, and then he was sort of filling the gaps. And I saw him and uh, Morgan interchanging beautifully, like just sort of seamlessly. It was great. Yeah. Um, Osario had a pretty good game. He got he got hurt a little yeah. bit, um, but he came back in, so it didn't look like it's serious. Well, the one thing I wanted to mention, too, when you mentioned Henry, was that you brought up the battle between Ameriquois and Caldwell. But when they switched off, and it was, it was Henry against Ameriquois. When Didn't they see were Ameriquois. Out. No. He took him out. He yeah. won all those battles. When he was right on the touchline in front of us, he won all those battles. Yeah. Easily. And I think that's the difference is that uh, for Henry's size, he's got really good pace. And once he gets a few strides, I think he can match pretty much anyone. I also thought, I mean, Alvaro Ray was uh, awarded with the man of the match. So moving from Canadian players to the rest of the team. He did uh, remarkably well with coming back and forth. Like, I think he was like a good transitional player between both sides. Like as a midfielder, he's ideal because 
I saw him playing defense and I saw him moving the ball up um, many times. So I think he was great. And I think uh, Convy had a pretty good game. Uh, there was one bad kick, but aside from that, he he had a really good game mostly. You know, yeah. I just think I think you know I think Convy almost could have had a better game. I think Earnshaw's goal was fucking classic. Yes, and that was Convy who set that up. That was such a bizarre like because the Convy had the ball on the far on the far wide side, just whipped it across, and the Chicago it looked like it went through the Chicago defender, or he didn't think there was a guy behind him, and then uh, you had Earnshaw just collect it. And then wait for the guy to make the dive. And then he just, like, just his patience. I think that's sort of a guy who's got a bit of experience. He didn't kick it right away. I mean, he's, he's still trying to control it anyway. But he saw, the, he saw the defense come through and commit himself. And then just took a step to closer to the center and finish. Yeah. Uh, it's great to see someone finish finally for this team. Because most of the time we get, like, lots of stuff. I think, you know, Wiedemann had a tough game tonight. I don't think uh, he did well, I think. I think. When Braun came in, he took a lot of shots. I noticed that he took a lot of shots for a forward. He got kicked twice pretty close together in timing. And that's uh, unnerving for any player. But he just stood up to the second one. The first one he got hurt by. The second one he stood up to it. So I thought, fuck, that, that balls, man. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Wait, the one thing I wanted is because I was we were talking about uh, that goal. And then on the 42nd minute, I had, I mean, I have to, Ray did play a good game, but there was a play. I don't know if you saw it, where Toronto was rushing in on goal, and this channel from Ray to Convy yes. opened up. I mean, it was like that it parted, and Ray just had to look up, and Convy was wide open, making a perfect run onto goal. And, and you would think that Ray's a, got pretty good. Are you he, thinking of that one that Eckersley came through and they put the ball through to Eckersley? No, it was it, Ray. No, it was four of them coming in. Convy was on the side on the on the east side of the pitch, so they had switched mm-hmm. Convy and Ray. And uh, he shot it instead, and it was like if he well, there just was, there was another one where that was coming at the same around the same time. It was near the end of the half where they uh, I don't know who was on the the side, but it wasn't Hall or Osario. So I'm thinking it was both the same setup, and they and and Eckersley made a run through the middle, and they gave it to him, and he had a pretty good shot on that. And I thought three passes. Yeah, it was great to see three passes strung together. Yeah. In a in a like an attacking way, like usually we're, it's three passes trying to get out, but it's like this was three passes going to goal. Beautiful. Yeah, and then of course right at the end of the half, I we felt to, like if we were looking at chances, we I think we outchanced them. Yeah. Well, when we took shots, yeah. and that's something that's been a huge criticism I think we've had of this team all season long. In this game, we saw it a bit more. They, some of them were close. I mean, and and I gotta say, like that was I guess one of the one of the things. Of course, Ray. If we're talking about him, I mean, he took a couple, had a couple goes from in and around the 18-yard box that missed the post narrowly. Yeah. On more than one occasion, he hit the post, of course, is what I'm talking about on the around the 45th minute. Uh, it was very, like, it was sweet. He but really, I, I think we're missing something up front. Like, I think Wiedemann oh, and Braun are just not the players. No. Or finishers. Right? No. And in the second half, we saw another play where Braun was carrying the ball and Wiedemann was wide open. And, and he missed, he missed him and took a shot. And it's the kind of thing where. But it's I saw like, Wiedemann miss like some like I saw Wiedemann carrying the ball and getting dispossessed of it. <laughs> the guy caught up to him. Yeah. And just took it off him like it was nothing, and people were just livid when that happened. They were just like, "Are you kidding?" Yes. Like how can you let the guy catch up to you? There, there was and there was a couple. Of, they, I mean, there was I think three chances that I saw where Wiedemann just you know blew it. I felt bad for him. I felt like he had a bad game, but I just thought, shit, he's not our player, man. No. 
It's like, you know, yeah, it's fair because you don't want to be unfair. But then it's just like, if we're going to keep it real, it's the truth is I don't, I don't feel that Wiedemann or Braun are, 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 strikers, M- are right? MLS caliber. And even Earnshaw. I mean, you know, we haven't seen much, uh, we haven't seen much from him in terms of like uh, production, right? We've only got the, I mean, today we got that goal, but that was a beautiful goal, but it's rare. Yeah. But I, there, there's, I would say there's almost two parts of that where Earnshaw said earlier, I think it was a few weeks ago, he's had seven strike partners this season. Yeah. Paired up with seven people. Well, that speaks to Miller's stability issue, right? right? Yeah. It's like, how, how, do you, how do you work with like this merry-go-round of players that are just coming in and out? You just can never get used to them. There's no chance for chemistry to build up or nothing. Like, right. How do you play? Yeah. So, I mean, with when Earth, you don't know who you're playing with. Yeah. Ever, right? So, Earnshaw, I'm, I'm willing to cut Earnshaw a little bit of slack because A, the service is terrible. I mean, most of his chances that he, most of the balls delivered to him are crosses. And he's you know five eight battling with center backs. I mean it's it's absurd. Yeah. There's nothing coming through the middle. Yeah. That can sort of spring him loose or maybe give him more balls, go cutting in on the eighteen yard box. I mean we can see, we see that he can finish. Yes. And he I, get it. I mean he's a he's a ch- English Championship level striker, which is more than capable I think for MLS. Is it great? Maybe not so much, but I think if there had been a little bit more quality in the side and a little bit more stability up front, he's on I think seven goals now. He might have a few more. That's all I'm saying. But I do agree there needs to be improvements up top. And uh, whoever he's paired up with, it's just it's just not cutting it. It's always been our issue. It's Yeah. We've never sorted that out. Never. No. Without paying a heap of cash. Chad, and, well, who? Well, Coverman's was a DP, and that's the only time we've yeah, had but- Of course, this game wraps up, to, uh, Steve, at uh, another 1-1 draw. Under pressure. Yes, it was nerve. It was. You like know what it reminded me of? Wracking. Do you remember the game? I think. It was and then two- the lightning comes. Yes, but it doesn't kill off the game because the rain hadn't come yet. Yeah. Do you remember the game two years ago? I think it was where we were up two nothing, and then we were just under pressure for the whole second half, and we ended up tying two two. Yeah. It, fe- it felt like that for a minute. I felt well. I certainly thought we were going to lose. Yeah. I. Well, we almost did, of course. It was right? never. I mean, we the seventy ninth minute was when they had that one on one with Bendik. Yeah. Ameriqua cut through the middle. And uh, he came out and guessed right yeah. that he was going to go to his a, left yeah, side. Yeah, that was a great save by Bendik. Made up for the fucking first goal, which was <laughs> a terrible. That was terrible. Yeah. Someone just ran in front of him and nothing. Didn't touch the ball. The ball just, and he dropped to his, he dropped because he thought that he was going to get, like he was trying to get a deflection, but the player never touched it and the ball just went over top of him and it looked stupid. People were complaining pretty bad about that. I've seen it happen lots of times before. Well, I've we, seen that kind of a goal before. But you see it on free kicks. It's uh, it's it's all about nerves, and I guess he flinched, right? Yeah. Well, I brought you know we brought it up uh, two ones ago, the New England game. I was saying we had that free kick from just inside the half, and I don't know if you remember that one from a couple of years back when Amado Guevara took that free kick from just the halfway point and curled it over, and the keeper didn't know whether to judge it on the, the yeah. players rushing in. And it curled perfectly in the far post. That's kind of what happened. That was a chip more over to the top, and he just... Uh, yeah, but this bounced in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Guevara's went right in the net, right? Yeah. Guevara's looked beautiful. This one was... This one it was, had Mike McGee running onto it. That was one, the thing I think it was like... It was well-timed in terms of McGee's run onto the ball. For sure. But he didn't touch it. No. <laughs> so he looked kind of silly. But he made up for it. Well, I wouldn't say he made up for it, but he certainly, you know, saved our ass. Well, yeah, because it could have been a loss. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. 79 minute, and then there was a second one around, I think, 84 or something. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty close. 
I guess. Is that, is that a silver lining, Steve? <laughs> on a season that's been... Uh, hey, I think, you know what, on this game, I think we tied our point tally from last year. <laughs> really? Yeah. So we, we did got that bad last year. Yeah. So we got so we got six games to go, I think, to to surpass 2012. Well, that'll give him bragging rights for something. That's terrible. Renew your tickets, <laughs> or you'll be sorry. Or send them back and tell them to give them out to charity. <laughs> the arms, the armed forces wanted them. I don't know if you know that. Uh, I did know that. They're out tonight. Yeah, they were out tonight because of September 11th and all this. One thing I think, you know what we didn't talk about on the last issue, last episode of the pod that I think we should is going into a sight and sound. Tying that all in where we're talking about Miller, people that have come and gone and all that stuff was that there was a, in the same spot as the Justice for Matt banner this week was uh, no Argos at BMO. And I thought that was, uh, that's the next one I think that's going to be the big campaign in the stands and rightfully so. Um, I think it was last, last not last week or the start of last week. We published an article. It's confu- was- I don't know. It's confusing. Have you seen? Have you tried to plan a pitch that's like a markings for both? No. It's confusing as hell. Yeah. Even like even with rugby pitches, it's the same thing. And having those uprights, that's. I mean, I know they could probably take them out. I don't know how they would do it. Well, we, we, the grass would be gone. <laughs> yeah. That's so they was so. It's just that's just. I don't can't imagine that going over well with people who no, have common sense. Who do we trade? We traded Maurice Adu for grass. So we've been told. Fuck. Maurice Adu funded our four million dollars. Yeah. That was a hard let go. <laughs> could have been in the he could have been the future in the midfield, and then uh, yeah. So it's that, that's one issue. Is, of course, the grass goes, but then also in terms of just stands are going to set set up, switching back to artificial pitch, putting the lines on, taking them off. I just don't know. It just seems insane, and it's to me. It sounds like Lawicki's come to town, and it's just he's uh, fucking everything up. Just talking too much. Yeah, talking too much. It's it's and nothing has backed it up yet, except firings. I I think you know. I think he's playing the politician. Obviously, I think right he's now. out of his element in some ways, and I think he's trying to make friends with the other sports teams in the city. Because he, in the interview with Cathal Kelly, he was going on about like he was, you know talking up the Blue Jays. <laughs> there was a lot of envy going on there, and it just seemed like misplaced. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's interesting. I mean, they were talking, you know, the Blue Jays were everyone's, like, go-to pick at the beginning of the season, right? Yeah. With all the players that they bought and stuff, they had, you know, was talking like it was the best team that money could buy. They are going all the way to the World Series. I think there's envy there. Yeah. Payne I, couldn't deliver that. For no, me. it's a thing. You I mean, you look at Kevin Payne, you look at, Tim Laiwiki and, and where they're coming from. You know, I thought one of the things I said that the reason Payne uh, was fired or wasn't very successful is just because I think I think people come in Toronto and I think they misjudge or don't quite grasp what they're coming into in terms of this city from a sporting sense. You know, Kevin Payne comes from D.C. and uh, I mean, there's a lot of pressure. It's a that, big media market for yes. Canada. And I think they don't realize, like, because Toronto probably looks like a small market outside, like, to compare to the States. But in terms of Canada, all the media is here. It's not Ottawa or somewhere else. It's here. And so there's a lot of coverage, which is where you're talking about the pressure. That's where the pressure comes from. Yeah. It becomes a pressure cooker. We've already got a terrible history. The track record is awful. Seems like anyone could do better. <laughs> which is where the misjudgment comes from, right? Yes. These pl- these people think 
I can get them something. Yeah. Fuck, everyone's failing miserably. Yeah, but if you're coming from somewhere like D.C., and I've said this before, but where... But they do overjudge it. Yeah, where there's only one guy covering the soccer team. Yeah. So He's pretty you, much can, you, can, you can say shit like he does and not be scrutinized and then crucified. But in Toronto, there's about six, seven, or eight outlets, whether it's uh, you know top-level media also, down to blogs. Also, American football... Is the day, right? Yeah. No one cares about the world football. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And the thing I would say even with, I would even say with Lewicki coming from L.A. is that, you know, he's talking about this big splash and these big names. I don't know if that's... But I he wasn't the guy who sealed the deal on those. He was just the guy who inherited what all the work that had done, been done to well, get... Well, but he was, I mean, he was he was a part of that push to get Beckham here. And that's what he really thought. And that's fine for L.A. Was it his idea? I don't know if it was all I, his idea. I doubt it. I, I tend to think that this guy's all about uh, dreaming about parade routes and staging. He's staging a victory party, but he's not, you know, he hasn't put the groundwork together to build a team. He doesn't know about building things. I think the guy's just uh, about throwing parties. That's well, what it, but, like, Tinseltown is all about smoke and mirrors, right? Sure. It's all about the, the big stage. Yeah. That's what, you know, LA. That's LA. Toronto's different. Yeah. But if he knows who to the hire... The East Coast is always about, like, it's all always about ambition and ability, right? It's different. Like, East Coast and West Coast, if you were to compare them, totally two different things, two different worlds, two different universes. And if you're coming from the West Coast, it's a different scenario. Sure. But if I, w- I guess if I would say one thing... Although I would say that the West Coast is doing a lot better than the East Coast in terms of this league. Yes. Watching Portland dismantle us on Saturday, that was... Yeah. That was something to witness. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's the one thing I would, I'm curious to see, and especially curious when we're talking about Ryan Nelson, is, and I, we said this before, it was like, I there's a inconsistency with what Tim Laiwiki says about how a team should run, and of course, where he's coming from in L.A., and the Galaxy had arguably the best American coach in the country's history running that club. Uh, I, I would be surprised if, Lewicki didn't see a direct correlation between this guy with just the most absurd experience and the success that they had, and now looking at Toronto with their head coach that has none whatsoever. But have we ever had a good coach? I would say no. But there's, you know what, but at different points, there was people, there was decisions that probably could have been made where, you know, if Chris Cummins had stayed on for another year, they might have been able to get away with it. And the pressure cooker wouldn't have been so severe. But they would zig and they would zag. And they would bring in, they would make the wrong choice that needed to turn things around quickly. But these guys all have an experience, right? And you said it yourself that, you know, it's rare that a person without experience becomes a shining star. Maybe we need to look for experience. Without question. Without question. And if that's, I, I would expect, I would expect by Wiki, if he's, they're saying he's out looking for the next general manager or president of the football club and if you got a if you got a coach to play for you're going to get the players right yeah because people want to come and develop their talent with this player or with this coach i mean sure i think the linchpin the key to this whole thing is a good coach it's hard not to like it's hard not to see that at this point especially when throughout the league there's so many examples especially after a week where everyone else has resigned (laughs) who's left who's left yeah yeah, it's interesting. And you're seeing now in the media that it's starting to become quite a chorus that this is definitely what people are thinking. And maybe that's where Nelson's uh, out, outburst in quotes, because I don't think he actually was a 
a loud outburst. He just said it. But I think that's... Does he even have a communications person working for him? <laughs> well, maybe not. Other people had them. I don't think he's got them. No. But that's the thing. Is the that... coach is always brought in to do like the the one-liner at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, he's left out to... I think Ryan Nelson's hung left. Hung the dry. Yeah, hung out the dry. He's got no support. Well, well, these other communications people don't work for him. They're yeah. not used to working for him, so... They're yeah. not going to coach him on what to say. Well, no. Half of them are gone, right? So... Yeah. Well, moving forward, Steve, big game on Saturday. New York Red Bulls away. Could be a 5 nothing loss. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> As has been the pattern over the years. I'm trying to think when was last. Every time it feels like, although it hasn't been the case, but the last couple, it just seems like it's been the Terry Henry show. And uh, it's been a hopeless affair. I don't know if this will be any different. I have a tough time seeing. He didn't really show up for the game here. No, this last time, he did he? Kinda, he kind of stepped aside and let other people come forward, right? Yeah. But he, when we've he gone doing, there... He was setting up people. The last few times we've gone there, he's been he's awesome. On, yeah. Just awesome. We've gotten throttled since, I think, the 2011... That last, that, yeah, it doesn't last year take much before. for Thierry Henry. He just he never looks like he's on, and then all of a sudden, he's in it. Yeah. So, he doesn't need much. No. Uh, and then after that, we're... He just at, needs a chance. That's the kind of striker we need. <laughs> Someone who just needs a chance. Yeah, and they're out there. It's just we had uh, seven, and we could have put seven in the net tonight. That game could have been ours easily. Yeah, that's what's frustrating. It's true. We made the saves late to hold on to it, but uh, but it's like it's like you know. But you know, I mean, did you really ever think at any point that was going to happen? I didn't. I was sort of like I had sort of emotionally I packed it in. Yeah, I never thought we were going to come up with a tie for sure. I should be happier than we are. <laughs> but I'm not. No. Um, I think on that note, Steve, we've gone over quite a bit. We should wrap it up on a midweek week, midweek pod. I think I'm going to be out there on Saturday night checking out that game. So uh, look for that one. Uh, we got Steve Perry and Sparky and Sparky. Steve, I think you're on the north. I'm on the south. It's a different, a little bit of a different setup tonight. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys on the weekend. Eastside Stand-Up is the only Toronto C-specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to be involved. Reach out to us on Twitter through hashtag ESSU or at Red Nation Online. You can email us at HaveYourSay at Red Nation Online or info at Red Nation Online. Get into the discussion on Toronto FC through Eastside Stand-Up and Red Nation Online. Stand-Up, you, for you are here.